Welcome. I'm Jessica Tejan, and this is the Evolving to Exceptional podcast, where we talk about reaching peak performance in our workplaces, homes, and communities so that we can live our best life possible, an exceptional life. And welcome back to the Evolving to Exceptional podcast. We've got Meldina with us this week. And of course, I am Jessica, your host. Today, we are going to be continuing in our Evolving Workplaces series and talking about how to stop the suffering. So how to move from pain and suffering to more joy, peace, and happiness. So to start off this episode, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to just imagine, close your eyes if you can, if you're not driving, and just imagine if you could change anything to improve the results or experience in your life, what would it be? If you could change anything, what would be the one thing that you would change to improve the results you're getting in your life or the experience that you're having in your life? What would you change if you could improve your life experience to create a better experience? Now I'm giving you just a second to think about that. Think about what comes to mind. What are the things that come up? If you want, you can pause it and give yourself another another second to, to listen or to, to think about this for yourself. But I want to ask you what you said. And if you said myself, did you say that the one thing that you could change to improve your results is yourself? And I've been asking this question to audiences and trainings, probably hundreds of people over the years. And I got it from Sean Acor, who um, is is a wonderful uh, researcher around uh, the science of happiness. And um, he actually also endorsed my book, The Exceptional Life Revolution. And he uses this question. And every time, almost, most people do not say myself. Most of us, when we think about what we would change to improve our life, to improve the experiences we're having in our lives, we look outward. We think about changing our job or changing our house or changing our car or changing our health or changing something in our life. But the truth is the one thing we can always have control over and always be able to make changes to is ourselves. But often we forget that our joy, peace, and happiness is truly a choice we make every single day. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually do not believe in rose-colored glasses or the never-ending think positive mantra. Just be positive. Just say everything's great. Just believe it and it will be it. Because the truth is that there are very real, very hard challenges in the world. And there are painful experiences that we all face in our lives. And I don't want to negate or discount the fact that those challenges, those painful experiences are not something that we can just think our way out of. They will exist and they will happen and we will have to face those pains. The problem that we all face is that the challenges and pain we experience throughout life then become suffering. We cannot avoid that pain. We cannot prevent that painful or challenging experiences. We will experience that pain. But how we respond to those challenges, how we respond to those painful experiences, whether we heal and strengthen ourselves through them 
or whether we allow ourselves to continue suffering or even create greater suffering in our lives as a result. Cy Wakeman has a quote where she says that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And I just love that quote because the truth is we will experience pain, but whether we choose to suffer is up to each of us and how we respond. Oh, I love that quote, Jessica. So what typically happens when people experience challenges in the workplace or in life? Yeah, so I like to think of this and I've called this, this is really just the human condition. This is really just what happens to people everywhere all of the time. It is a cycle of thinking that we get into where we react to our circumstances, good and bad. So when things are good, we're good. When things are bad, we're bad. And so it literally becomes, you know, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm, I'm giving an example. It, it becomes a wave, like a sine wave up and down. And so when things are good, when good things are happening, when it's a good year and you get paid a bonus, you think I got a bonus. I did a great job and I deserve it. But then it's a bad year. There's a mark. There are market challenges. Then you think it's not my fault. I'm I'm getting I'm not I'm not getting a bonus or meeting expectations because of the market. It's not my fault. You know things go up, and now I'm doing exceptional. There's a pandemic, and the economy crashes, and now the the pandemic and the economy is ruining my life. It's ruining everything. And so we tend to react to these waves. When things are good, we're good, and when things are bad, there's nothing that we could have done. We are the victims to our circumstances, to the environment in which we're living. But the truth is that these tough, challenging circumstances keep coming. It's the human condition. We are always going to react and respond to them. But ultimately, it's a matter of how we think about them that really impacts our experience. I like to use the definition of mindset. Mindset is a set of beliefs or a way of thinking that determines one's behavior, outlook, and mental attitude. A person's mindset determines how quickly they get back above the line. And so the thought process here is how can I spend or how can I get myself back above the line more quickly so I don't spend so much time in that state of suffering, in that state of where, where there's a lack of coherence in terms of my performance and in terms of the results that I'm achieving in my performance. And, and we all go through this cycle. We all go through this, this same set of response that when things get hard, we want to get out of them. We don't want to continue to experience those challenges. So in the workplace, for example, Whenever the things are difficult and people are asked to do more with less, which is all the time, everywhere, in every single industry, people start thinking about quitting. Now, obviously, they're not actually quitting, but they're psychologically quitting. They're disengaging from their work. They're saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I wish I could win the lottery ticket, the lottery. Maybe they are going out and buying lottery tickets, even imagining it. And so then they start to complain. They start driving their bellyache and moaning and whining wagons, as Cy Wakeman says. And they come up with all the reasons that they can't be successful. All the excuses and the finger pointing and reasons that their circumstances are getting in the way of them doing their best work. And then that doesn't take them anywhere. And so they realize that they need to do something about it. And that's when they start to try to change their reality. 
And in the workplace, that can look like coming up with a list of demands of here are the things that if, if these were better, if I had more time, if there was more communication, if our customers were better, if these things were fixed, then I could give you my best work. Then I could really perform in a way that I want to. But the truth is none of those work because often our circumstances are not changeable. Our influence over those changes is limited and those circumstances in which we're struggling are going to continue to persist and exist in spite of our frustration with them. And so we have to shift from this victim mindset that things are happening to us rather than because of us, that things are happening to you rather than because of you. Jessica, I love that analogy there because when we have that victim mindset, we're sort of in this reactive mode where we're just responding to the things around us rather than thinking that things happen to us, which makes it feel like we're getting some of that control back in how we respond to the difficulties in our lives. I see this come up a bit, especially with managers who think that their job is to fix all the circumstances is that their employees come to them with frustrations and their job is to make a perfect workplace, to make everything perfect and work for the people. And then they get burnt out. And I think managers are more burnt out today than almost ever before because there's so many challenges. They can't possibly create a perfect workplace. There's no such thing. It's never going to exist. And so what we really have to do is figure out how we identify this victim mindset and then coach people, coach each other, managers, coach employees, coach people in different places to, to move through these challenges. So Jessica, you mentioned identifying what a victim mindset looks like. Can you tell us a little bit what that victim mindset might look like, what that lack of accountability mindset looks like, and what are some example of those are? Yeah, so I, I always like to start with that a lack of accountability is anytime we're really suffering or struggling with our circumstances. We are, we're out of coherence or we're not um, operating at our peak performance. And anytime that's coming up, that's like a good indicator. But I do think there's a set of examples we've encountered over the years that help to kind of bring that into focus. And it's so important that we understand why they're happening. So why people are experiencing them. So the first one is actually learned helplessness. And learned helplessness is when is when people believe that nothing can be done because of their past experiences. So it's a condition where a person has a sense of powerlessness arising from a persistent failure to succeed. So because they have struggled in the past, because they've encountered resistance in the past, they don't think they can do anything about their current circumstances. So does that kind of sound a little bit like we've tried this before, it doesn't work, or it's fine, I really don't even care, I can't convince them anyway, it doesn't even matter at this point. Is that kind of what you're alluding to? Absolutely. That's that's exactly what it sounds like. And the reason that people do this is that once they've experienced challenges, once they've had had these uncontrollable bad events or challenges happen to them, then it creates this this sense of lack of control. 
They've basically given up on their ability to create a different outcome, which has caused them to become helpless. They are now stuck in this helpless behavior. And one of my favorite examples of this that I always use to remind myself is of of the fleas. You can Google a video of this, but they did a, a study with fleas where they um, fleas could jump as high as they wanted. They put a lid on the jar and over a period of time, the fleas learned they couldn't jump any higher than that lid. And then even when they took the lid away, the fleas still wouldn't jump higher than that lid. And ultimately, when the fleas reproduced and had offspring, their offspring wouldn't jump any higher than that lid. So even though the lid wasn't there, they would not jump outside of or they would not leave the space of that jar because they had experienced that learned helplessness. They'd learned that limitation and were no longer able to challenge their own reality, no longer able to push beyond that boundary. So that's an example of a lack of accountability that uh, and that victim mindset that comes up. And then what about judging and criticizing? I know that's another kind of indicator of a lack of accountability mindset. Yeah, judging and criticizing, we are all guilty of this. And it's anytime we're attributing meaning or motive or an opinion to someone or something else, to some other set of circumstances. And I really want to indicate that in terms of a victim mindset, because we can also be critical of ourselves and judge ourselves. But where we're doing it to others, it's really causing us to fall into, you know, that lack of accountability or that victim situation. So that might sound something like they never answer their phones. You know, they should be available when I need them or it's not fair. Why does he always get to take extra time off? He's never working. Oh, how many times I feel like I've heard that, especially with during the pandemic and people working from home. I felt like that was just a constant kind of comment that I heard, or they're always late to meetings. They should really try to be more punctual. Anytime there's a should statement, big red flag. Anytime you're saying the word should, stop and ask yourself if you're in that victim mindset, because that is a huge indicator that that there's something wrong with, with your statement. And people do this because they don't have all the information. And so they're filling in the gaps and they're filling it in based on their own filter. So each of us have had our life experiences, had our challenges, what we've been through, and we start to judge others in in terms of that experience. And often it's in what we feel most insecure about ourselves. The things that we've maybe worked hard to overcome or struggled with in the past, those are the things that we're probably the most likely to judge on. And this kind of relates to the fundamental attribution error, which is that we'll judge ourselves based on context, but others' actions based upon their character. So there's a series of these, and we wanted to give you some examples of what these mindsets look like, you know, learned helplessness, judging, criticizing. Another good one to to look at is deflecting, finger pointing, and blaming. And this is anytime we're going to shift responsibility from ourselves to another person. So this might sound like in the workplace, you know, who dropped the ball or they didn't tell me the supplies were going to be late. So I had no idea or it's all your fault if you didn't make that typo on their chart. All of this could have been avoided. It's those shifting that responsibility from yourself and the things that you could have done or control to prevent that situation and shifting it on to someone else. 
Absolutely. And the reason that people do this is because blaming feels safer than acting. If I am in a, in the state of blaming someone else, then I don't actually have to take responsibility for what I've done or my part in the situation and my own actions. I can stay stuck. And so these are just three. There's a, there's a few other examples. I'm just going to run through some of the other ones without giving you all, all of the details, but venting, complaining, and gossiping, disengaging, evading, and avoiding, resistance or conditional commitment, reasons, storytelling, and excuses. These are all examples of this victim suffering mentality or, or, or different examples of where we find ourselves in situations that are are causing us to be in that victim mindset. And if you want to go deeper into each of these, we do have a course on mindset that will walk you through so you can really understand the what and why of all of these. One of the reasons I walk through the why is because understanding why a person is in that victim mindset, why a person's fallen into what I call the accountability hole or the the pit of suffering, that when we drop below the line, when we get into that lack of accountability, we get stuck until someone else can come relate to us with empathy and then help us figure out how to get out. Not help us get out, not pull us out, but help us work through understanding why we're there and how we're going to get ourselves out. And that is really how we cultivate, how we shift from suffering to more joy, peace, and happiness is by understanding and learning why we got there in the first place. So Jessica, I know you covered a couple of the whys behind we might exhibit a lack of accountability, but what is the actual root cause of this suffering or this lack of accountability mindset? Yeah, so always, always, always we go back to it being part of the human condition and at the root of it is always emotion. It is emotions that cause us not to be able to move forward. We have an emotional reaction to those circumstances, to the challenge, to what's in front of us. And when we respond with that emotion, it's the human condition to get stuck to fall into a hole. To some extent, it might be a little bit, it might be a lot, but that's the natural reaction. It's it's not, not that anyone's doing anything wrong because when our when we see and experience things, when our heads experience them, when our hearts feel them, then our bodies are going to hold on to them until we deal with those emotions, until we understand our situation. And I talked earlier about these ups and downs being kind of like a sine curve. And if you've ever seen a heart rate variability chart, this it looks very much like uh, high coherence. And when I talk about high coherence, I'm really referring to uh, when we're operating in a state where we're going in between our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So for those that are unfamiliar, um, and I, I know I've talked about this in some other episodes, but a quick, quick refresh on it. Our sympathetic nervous system is our fight, flight, freeze. It's, it gets activated automatically. It's part of our automatic nervous system. And it comes into play when we're triggered by something in our environment when our when our when we interpret our a challenge or a situation as somehow a risk to our safety or to to ourself. And parasympathetic is the opposite. It is when we drop back down 
into recovery, into rest, digest, and recover. It's when we drop into that slower state. And the ideal state, the ideal coherent state, is when we're moving in and out of parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system at a consistent rate. And so when you think about accountability and you think about this heart rate variability coherence, when we're in that coherent nervous system, when we're going up and down at a regular rate, that is occurring when we have positive emotions like love, courage, appreciation. When we're feeling good, we're able to move in and out of those nervous systems in a balanced state, which actually produces and promotes optimal performance, peak performance. It gives us the best results. But when we're in incoherence, when we're unbalanced, then that line is jumping up into sympathetic or down into parasympathetic in a random or sporadic way. It's not in that sine wave. And that incoherence occurs with negative emotions, frustration, anxiety, worry, anger, irritation, fear. And these are the emotions that we experience when we're suffering, when we're responding to our circumstances with a victim mindset and a lack of accountability. And so when we're having these emotions, these negative emotions, it's actually impairing our performance. It's actually getting in the way of us doing our best work or performing at our best. And performing at our best, Jessica, just to retouch kind of on what you said earlier, is when we're flowing from that parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems in a kind of in a calm, normal flow state and there's no sudden jumps between the two, but really you're just kind of coasting through going up and down, up and down. And, and that's when we're kind of operating at that peak performance. Yeah, it's calm coherence. So it's, it's that calm and alert, calm and alert. I'm focused. I'm calm. I'm operating. I'm energized. I'm not, I'm not, you know, sitting on the couch vegging out. I'm, I'm, I'm focused, but I'm also not over-focused. I'm not in panic mode. And you can see how that's when we're going to perform at our best. And when we get, allow those emotions to trigger us and we get out of coherence, why that is really creating a negative impact. So that emotion that's triggering us, that root emotion that's causing that victim mindset or that lack of accountability or that behavior or that suffering is really the root of what's going wrong or what's not working. So the goal is let's get to the bottom of which emotion we're experiencing in order to pull us out of that low accountability mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, though, what's actually really hard about this is you ask most people, uh, we'll ask here on the audience, like think in your mind, name some emotions and, you know, give yourself 30 seconds and see how many emotions you can name in that period of time. A lot of people, my husband included, can't come up with very many. My husband and I joked when I had him do this, he could only come up with mad, sad and happy. And that's what most people think of. But there are a lot of of other emotions that are leading us to that place. And we have to get to that underlying emotion. Am I really angry or am I actually offended? Am I really angry or am I actually just being impatient? I want to get on. I want to move forward. You know, am I really sad or maybe I'm actually regretful? I regret what I said. 
I'm not sad. I mean, I am sad, but it's it, it has more to do with being regretful. So really understanding that emotion that's been triggered helps us understand why we're there, which allows us to start to connect with empathy and, and, and have compassion for ourselves having fallen into that state in the first place. And then Jessica, where do those emotions kind of come from for us? What triggers those responses in our from our environments? So it's always going to be triggered by the the specific circumstances that we're in. But what what I've seen and what I've what I've learned recently is again going back to our multiple intelligences, our head, heart and gut brains or our head, heart and gut intelligences. One of them is typically interfering or pulling us out of coherence. So each of our our three intelligence have responsibility for different prime functions. So according to Grant Susalu and his amazing book on embraining, um, highly recommended. I'll I'll throw a link in the show notes. But embraining and and embit, which is multiple brain integration techniques, highly powerful um, uh, bit of research and data and behavioral modeling to give us this information. But each of the the different intelligences in our body have different prime functions. So our head is primarily responsible for cognitive perception, thinking, and meaning making. Our heart is responsible for emotions, values, and relationships. And our gut is responsible for our core identity, self-preservation, and mobilization or taking action. And so typically, and so when you look at these different accountability issues, these different victim mindsets that people find themselves in and the behaviors they're exhibiting when they're in them, they're often related to one or more of these different intelligences. And that is what's pulling them out of coherence. That is what's what's getting in the way of them doing their very best work. And the truth is, and, and this is really a, kind of an interesting observation, is somebody can exist in that state for a very long time. You know, when we say going in and out, you know, it could be in and out in a couple hours. That might be pretty good. A couple days even might be pretty good. When we're going in and out over months um, or maybe even years where people are in a state of constantly complaining or constantly blaming other people for a long period of time because they're not dealing with whatever the root issue that keeps putting them there, that keeps them in that state, that keeps them in that hole. And that when that's happening, they've been out of coherence for a long time. Their performance has been impacted in a significant way. So even if they're your best performer, just imagine how much you're missing out on by allowing them to continue to exist in that state. Jessica, I am such a kind of neuroscience geek. So I'm so excited for you to talk a little bit more about this. But can you tell us, give us a couple of examples of some of these lack of accountability behaviors and where they stem from? in terms of the head, the heart, and the gut brains? Yeah, so let me, let me, I'll start with um, venting, complaining, and gossiping. So, you know, when, when we're venting and complaining, we're really looking for others to, um, to connect with. We are looking to get understanding from other people of our situation and, and be able to commiserate with them and get their, hopefully their sympathy in a lot of cases. And, and often with gossiping for the longest time, I didn't understand why people did it. 
Then I realized that it really is all about connection, that the fastest way to build relationships is to gossip, is to connect over a piece of gossip. And so when you look at the three different intelligences, you can see that the heart intelligence is out of coherence, that a person is looking for connection, someone who's going to understand their emotions and relate to them by sharing, complaining and gossiping. And so that that need is being fulfilled by this victim mindset or this lack of accountability. And so really we have to go look at how do we help them build connection other ways? How do we help them feel understood and related to while moving them through and helping coach them out of of having that mindset? I love the example of a new employee joining an organization and starting to gossip with other groups just so that they can start to build those connections because they don't really know anyone. And so they're getting to know people. And one of the fastest ways, not necessarily the best ways, but one of the fastest ways to build those connections is to gossip and kind of bond over a mutual feeling of, oh, what's going on? Or, you know, you're upset about something. Let's see if other people are kind of feeling that way too. And then you start to build those relationships based on, on gossiping. So I love that. Absolutely. So let's do another one, deflecting, finger pointing and blaming. So when we are trying to, to point the finger at someone else or not take responsibility, you know, can you, can you imagine which one's at play here, right? It's our gut. If we don't have to take responsibility, if we don't have to deal with that issue, then we don't have to deal with any misalignment with who we are, our core identity, or take any action. We don't actually have to get into motion to bring change. So we know our gut is responsible for, for mobilization, for moving us to action. So when we're not wanting to act, we're not wanting to move forward or take responsibility. We're not wanting to, to tarnish our identity and we're not wanting to get started on what's the next best thing we can do. So there's, there's an issue in that space. I've seen this example, I think, time and time again with self-proclaimed perfectionists who, when something doesn't go their way or, you know, they bomb something or fail at something and it's not a, a feeling that they're used to experiencing and it, it combats with their self-identity. And so it can't be them. They weren't the reason that this fell apart. It has to be on someone else because it totally goes against who they thought they were as a person and, and and causes those feelings of being worried and being nervous or ashamed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll do, I'll do one more, um, so that we can cover each of the, the different, um, the different intelligences. So I want to do reasons, storytelling, and excuses. So reasons, storytelling, and excuses are anytime we are um, making up a story about or creating excuses for why something's happened. You know, why, um, what's going on in a, in a particular situation and and we're filling in information that we don't actually know. And so when we don't have all that information, our heads, our head intelligence is actually filling it in with what we've known in the past. And that information may or may not be helpful to the current situation, especially if we've had challenges or trauma or issues in the past. So for example, if we've been betrayed by someone else before, then we may make up stories about 
why a person is not responding to a, a phone call, text message, or email, or th- why they responded a certain way because of that pre-programming. And, and I'll give an example of, of this because, um, you know, growing up, one of the things we were always responsible for in my family was helping with dinner, was, was being there when dinner was being made to help with getting dinner on the table. And if we didn't, we were probably going to get in trouble. Like somebody was going to be upset or, or mad at us. And so I developed these stories that if I was not at in the kitchen, helping to put dinner on the table, wherever I was, that I was going to get in trouble with whoever was making, making dinner. And it took me a while to realize that like, that was my story, not someone else's. That was my, my situation, my experience, not what they were intending. And so our heads really can get in the way of us having, um, you know, understanding what's really going on because we've experienced these emotions and we're triggered by them. We're triggered by these past experiences and we begin to put a story over the top of it and make excuses without even realizing we're doing it. I think it's just a safety net or kind of like a defense mechanism that you put up when you're faced with these tough circumstances to try to shield yourself from as as much as you're going through that negative emotion, you don't want to feel it. It's hard. It's tough. It makes us feel bad. And so we do these things like storytelling, like making excuses and, and giving reasons so that we can prevent ourselves from enduring that painful experience. So you can do this with all of these different examples and realize that there's a whole lot more going on. And it's so important, I think, to take the time to really understand why we're out of coherence, why we're in that victim mindset, why we're in a lack of accountability, whatever you want to call it, understanding why we're there is what's going to help us move through it and get out so we can have fewer of these experiences and we can stay in that more high coherent, high performance state and operate at our best. Now, one of the things I want to comment on as we kind of wrap this up is that a lot of times when organizations train on, and I use the term accountability, when they train on these issues with struggling and suffering in the workplace and stay above the line and be positive, it is treated as uh, almost like a, an illness that you have to heal and move beyond. Like it's something that you fix permanently and then it's not a problem anymore. And I think that when when trainings or when executives take this approach, they're missing it because the truth is you're never going to keep people out of a lack of accountability all the time. You are never going to keep them you know, in a place where they don't experience those emotional reactions to the problems and challenges that they face. You know why I know that? Because it's not voluntary. It is involuntary. And you cannot train your automatic nervous system to do it differently. You cannot train people's emotions out of their body without significant therapy and and self-work. So, The best we can hope for in the evolving workplace is to equip people with the knowledge to understand why they're where they are and start to learn through coaching to get themselves out of those situations more quickly, to get themselves out of that hole so they can get back into and stay in a coherent state of performance. 
you know, kind of going back to the beginning, we're always going to have those pains, problems, and challenges that are going to happen in our lives. We cannot stay in a state where we avoid them or where we are accountable all the time for all of them. Because one of the things that happens when we do that is we actually create toxic accountability. We create situations where people will take responsibility for things they shouldn't, where people will allow themselves to experience challenges without standing up for themselves, without reacting and responding to them in healthy and productive ways that can bring about resolution. And so we need to acknowledge that we know we're going to encounter these hard things and that they're going to cause issue for issues for us. And instead, what we can do is increase our awareness and understanding of what's happening when this occurs and then change our mindset to create more joy, peace, and happiness. And we're going to talk more in another episode. And we've got our high accountability mindset tr- training course. It's it's not an expensive course if you want to check it out that takes you through some of the strategies for how to do that, for how to change your mindset to move from suffering to more joy, peace, and happiness. But before you can, you've got to understand why you are where you are. You have to understand why you're out of coherence and what's going on. So we'll talk more about how to do this in another episode. As we wrap up this episode, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, This is one of my favorite topics to uh, talk about, train on, and help people develop skills around. It really can be transformative. Uh, As always, we are happy to talk to anyone in any workplace who is struggling or having challenges with evolving their workplace and look at if we have solutions available that can support you in those areas. Specifically, we love to support HR teams or HR individuals to provide you what you need to help your organization to evolve. And one final comment, again, my new book, Fiercely Cherished Beings, is available for pre-sale and um, will be available for, for purchase next month. So please jump on Amazon, check it out, get the first chapter, the first 25 pages for free, and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your comments. So as always, remember to just always keep evolving. Have a wonderful day.